This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance, or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. So this is yet another podcast I'm recording in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and I hope that wherever you're listening to this you and everyone you love are safe and well. So what I want to talk to you about today is some common misconceptions about launching your own physical products and how you can overcome them. Um, so a few years ago and you'll probably know this if you've ever read anything um, that I've written or if, you know if you're familiar with me at all. So a few years ago I listened to a podcast, it was the Smart Passive Income podcast um, by Pat Flynn, which is a fantastic podcast, highly recommend it. And I was inspired by that to launch my own physical product and start selling it on Amazon. Um, As well as selling on Amazon, I also set up a, a Shopify site. But my main thing, the kind of thing that got me going was I thought, well, you know, Amazon seems like a great place, there's lots of customers, I can put a product on there and sell it and make some money. And since then, I've added some more products to my brand. Um, I have some more on the way. I've also launched my own Shopify site, as I mentioned. And now, obviously, I offer services to other sellers and people who want to start selling. Um, and that's, you know, part of the reason for this podcast is to help other people getting started. Um, and I think that if you're listening to this, possibly you have great ideas for products or maybe you don't have ideas, but you like the idea of selling products, as we've touched on before. But what often stops people moving forward is the fear of the unknown, because it's, you know, unless it's something you've done before, it is quite a big and daunting process. Or maybe you've even Googled what you need to do, but just all the steps to go through and not knowing exactly what to do and what order to do them in just stops you in your tracks, which is completely understandable, especially if you're busy with other things. You know, you've got a life, a job, a family, other things going on. You may well be thinking, well, I don't actually have have time to figure all of this out this is actually a good place to remind you that I actually have a checklist for this so I have a free resource it's a checklist that talks you through um all the things you need to do to create a physical product um, and you can just go through and and tick them off and of course sort of the a lot of the how of to do this will be covered off in this podcast episode or over on my blog so remember the blog is also a great free resource for you to go and find out exactly how to do some of the things that I talk about here in a bit more detail. So when I speak to people who are either in the process of creating a product or are considering doing it I hear the same questions and fears come up over and over again. And so today's podcast is about sort of debunking some of these myths for you um, because it isn't as scary and as complicated as it makes sound. I mean, it is scary. 
until you know how and until you've done it. Um, and as I've touched on before, once you've gone through the process of creating a product, you'll have so much confidence and you'll be able to do it again and again. Um, and I know that some of the fears that I hear are absolutely real and valid, but some things that I hear people say, um, and they, these aren't all fears either, but there are some things I hear people um, say right at the beginning and they are actually just myths. And I just want to go through some of these myths and just um, share the truth with you really. And the first one I'm going to talk about isn't fear or concern. It's actually a little bit of tough love. Um, I hear a lot of people, well, not a lot, but I do hear people saying, or I see this read, or, you know, I read this in blogs and things, that people believe I can create a product, I can list it on Amazon, and I can make a lot of money. And actually, I alluded to the fact that at the beginning, this was sort of my plan as well. Um, But I'm sorry to say that isn't necessarily the case. Because, well, first of all, if you do believe this, I just want you to think about what your motivation is for launching a product and what you expect from it. Because if you're thinking that it's really easy to create a product and put up an Amazon listing and the sales are just coming in, then, you know, that's not actually reality. And yeah, we, I'm sure you've heard, um, I've definitely heard stories about people launching business on Amazon and getting really rich. And um, yeah, that is, how, like I said, that is how my story began. That's what motivated me. And it is possible to make money on Amazon. I mean, I make money, I'm, you know, I make a living partly selling products on Amazon now, but it's not just as easy as getting your product, putting it up there and then expecting it to sell. Um, And I'm going to go through a few of the reasons why I believe this. So first of all, um, Amazon for a buyer is a great platform. And for sellers, I mean, it is a good platform in the sense that there are lots of customers there. So that's one of the things about selling on Amazon. You can sell a whole range of products. There's a lot you can sell on there. And um, yeah, and the customers are there already, which is fantastic. But there are other things that for sellers make it not quite the same and not such an attractive proposition. So the first thing is Amazon Seller Central, which is the platform for sellers. I'm going to be really honest with you here. It's the bane of my life. It's confusing. It's unclear. It's not intuitive. And navigating it is hard. Um, And you have to use it because it's the only way to list your products on Amazon. Um, There are lots of rules and guidelines. They change on a regular basis. They're not often communicated and the customer service is pretty poor. Um, I have a whole list of issues. I'm going to spare you. But I mean, I think it's fair to say um, I spend a fair bit of my time working for my clients on either dealing with Amazon customer support to try and resolve issues or trying to, um, or trying about doing things for them in the first place. So a lot of people will ask me to set up their listings on Amazon. They'll ask me to set up their marketing on Amazon simply because they don't understand it and they don't have the the time to figure it out themselves. And by the way, that's absolutely fine. Um, it's a platform I'm really familiar with and it's actually something I'm really good at. You know, this is one of my strengths. And if you are looking to sell on Amazon, you know, I can I can help you and I completely get that, you know, people I get I get where people struggle. Um, you know, for me, remember I've been using this for years, it's been a bit of a learning curve. And this I'm not saying this to put you off. I mean I've mastered it, plenty of other people have, but it does take a bit of time. Um to do so and if you don't have that time to invest in working out how the platform works and how to best use it then um, you're definitely not going to see success overnight and of course so the second thing to think about is you also need a really good product listing on Amazon because as well as getting your head around Seller Central you've got to remember there is a lot of competition out there depending on what you sell 
don't get me wrong there are still niches where you can do really well on Amazon but you know there is a lot of competition in fact I don't know the exact number of new sellers on Amazon every day Uh, one site I looked at when I researched this said it was 2,975 new sellers per day another said 3,300 new sellers per day um and this so this is globally the amount of people opening up amazon seller accounts every day so you know we can assume it's somewhere around the 3000 mark and of course not all of these people are listing products on day one but i think we can agree that it is a lot and there are some niches and products on amazon that are now so competitive that it just might not be the best place to sell your products um So I use Jungle Scout's Chrome extension to get data on how competitive different products and different niches are. Um, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. It's actually a great resource to use to find out um, what the competition is like. And by the way, just because you research a product and actually you look on Amazon and it says that it's going to be too competitive you know there's too much it's basically Jungle Scout will give you a score um, for competition and it might say, you know, high competition. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that your product idea isn't a great one. It just might mean there's another marketplace that's, you know, where competition is less, but traffic is still high. And this comes down to you doing your research, which I've talked about in a lot of episodes today. So coming back to the product listing, um, I have a blog post and also an Amazon product listing checklist, which will help you ensure that the listing you write for Amazon is fully optimised. I write lots of Amazon product listings um, for other sellers at least a couple a week. Um, And so if you want my free resource, you'll be able to get that in the show notes. But a few basic things to cover is that when you're writing your product listing, you need to make sure you've done some keyword research so that the keywords you're targeting are actually included in your listing, that your product listing is selling the product's benefits rather than the features. So, you know, it's enticing someone to buy it so they can actually see the benefits, you know, how buying this product would enhance their life rather than just listing, you know, what it's made of and how big it is and all that kind of stuff, which absolutely you can include. But your bullet points for your product in particular have to really sell, you know, the benefits. Why would I want this product how will this make my life better you need to have some really good images perhaps you need some graphics or 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 infographics and you need to make it really clear why a customer would use your product over the competition and as I say there is a bit of an art to creating a really good Amazon product listing and um As I say, there is a bit of an art to creating um, a great Amazon product listing. I do have a blog post all about this that, again, I will link to and get hold of that Amazon product listing checklist as well, if that's something you're interested in. And so while we're talking about listings and competition, I should also point out that in some categories, um, there are manufacturers actually selling products directly and undercutting everyone on price because they can. So some of these sellers are shipping their products from China, um, so there's quite a long wait and that will put some customers off. However, some sellers are using Amazon FBA, so fulfilled by Amazon, where they send their stock to an Amazon fulfillment centre and Amazon fills it on their behalf, which means customers get Amazon Prime, which basically makes it a level playing field if that's what you're doing as well. So having said all of this, I am certainly not saying don't sell on Amazon. What I'm saying is don't just assume that you can start selling on Amazon and do really well. I'm saying do your research, which I've talked about in plenty of previous episodes, understand what's involved 
And if you need help, you know, if you don't have the time and skills to do it yourself, then perhaps think about hiring someone to help you. Um, if you want to have a chat about if you want to have a chat about this at all, you can contact me, Vicky at tinychipmonk.com. I would absolutely love to help you get started with Amazon. And I'll also be really honest if I feel like Amazon isn't going to necessarily be the best marketplace for you and for your product. Okay, so the second misconception I hear, and this one I think is actually a partly fear-based, is I have to pay an agent to source my product. So basically, so you know what your product is, hopefully you've done your research, you've got a really good spec, and now's the time to actually find that product. And this can be a bit of a stumbling block because chances are this is something you haven't done before and understandably, it feels a bit scary. Um, but I just want to completely debunk this because you can definitely source a product yourself. I've actually sourced all mine myself and it's a service I offer as well. Um, it just takes a bit of time, a bit of clarity and a bit of patience. And when I say clarity, I mean just knowing exactly what you're looking for, which is why I always re- recommend doing your research, as I've touched on before. And in a future episode, I'm going to talk about how to put together a really good product specification. So when you start actually going out and sourcing your product you know exactly what you're looking for now there are plenty of sites where you can find thousands of manufacturers in one place you can search for the product you're looking for you can compare suppliers and you can get in touch with them so my preferred site in china is alibaba but you don't necessarily need to look abroad if you are sourcing in the uk you can look at e-sources or thomasnet is a good source if you're in the us and i will link to all of these in the show notes and there's actually a lot to be said for Google searches as well. If you're particularly if you're looking to search in your own country, if you search for the name of the product you're looking for and the country you want to source in. So for example, recently I'm looking to change the manufacturer for my towels, and so I searched for towel manufacturers in Turkey, and then you'll get some websites from there, and then you can start researching and contacting suppliers and um, I've written lots of posts about sourcing and I will link to some of the key ones in the show notes rather than going into too much detail here but just to say you know this is something you can do but my main point is you need to be really clear on what you're looking for so if you have a really clear brief before you start contacting suppliers this will help you to weed out anyone that's unsuitable and also save a lot of unnecessary going back and forwards So as an example, with my first product, I hadn't even thought about the packaging and I just thought, oh, well, the factories will probably just do that for me. And it turns out that some suppliers did offer this, although I wasn't sure what the quality would be, but most wanted me to send them my actual packaging design so they could give me a quote or at least be able to tell them, you know, what sort of packaging I wanted and how many colours would be on it and all of that. And I just didn't know. So I ended up going backwards and forwards. I wasted a lot of time. I do think that some suppliers probably chose not to work with me because I just thought well, she clearly hasn't got her back together. Um because I I'd be very open my first product I sourced from China and something else I hear is people thinking that you know that the that Chinese suppliers are very keen and they really want your business that's not actually the case not all suppliers will even reply to your emails um, because some are so busy you know they've got a lot of business and particularly if it's your first order and it's a small order um, some of them may look at your your email and think well for that many units it's not worth it and they just won't get back to you and again if I say as I say if you don't have the answer to the questions and you know you don't you know you don't seem overly prepared they may decide actually this isn't someone that we want to work with so 
So this story definitely isn't intended to put you off. It is just to say that you need to have a really detailed specification before you start reaching out to suppliers. Um, I do know of people who have contacted them sort of ahead of this so you know they've got their idea for their product and before they go too far into the research stage they're like well I'll see if I can find someone who can provide this and I'll see how much it can cost and I think there are two downsides to doing this one is that if you haven't carried out your research and you don't know exactly what you're looking for you don't actually know if this is a product that you'll actually go ahead and and create and start selling so you could be potentially wasting a little bit of time here and also the second thing is that if you haven't again done your research and you don't have a really clear brief any pricing information that you get you know from this initial sort of look at sourcing sites or wherever you're going to might not be accurate and in fact I would put money on the fact that it won't be accurate because if you're looking to create a bespoke product even if it's a variation on an existing product you know if you want any kind of customization it is going to cost you more than the price you see listed also often the list price you see is for ordering a certain number of units now for a first order you might not be meeting that so just to say to summarize this I think that it's definitely possible to source your own products I'm going to be talking about that a lot more in future episodes however before you start doing that you need to be you need to be prepared that's my caveat you can do it yourself but get yourself prepared before you do it Okay, so this one leads me on very nicely to the third misconception I hear, which is I will get ripped off or I'll get conned by a supplier and I'll never see my money or my product ever again. So hopefully now you've realised, hopefully I've convinced you that it is possible to do your own sourcing, but perhaps you're, you know, still feeling a bit anxious about this point. So, and I get that because I think sending any amount of money to someone you don't know is scary and you know you've possibly have heard some scare stories I've, I've definitely heard some and this was actually my biggest fear when I placed my first order I was absolutely terrified that it just wasn't going to turn up I had a big delay at customs um for I can't even remember the what oh I do remember that it was because I didn't fill in a form I was meant to fill in so it was my fault but I did have a big delay at customs and before I figured out it was my fault I was just absolutely terrified that it just wasn't turning up and yeah I'd sent all that money and I wasn't getting it back but of course it did and you know the time I'd taken to do some research into validating my supplier had paid off so depending where you're sourcing your products from you can there are different ways you can verify your supplier so if you're looking to source on chart from China and you're looking on Alibaba because that's probably the most popular site in fact I think I think it's the most popular sourcing site ever. I think it's the one I hear people talk about most. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. So there were some really simple checks that built actually into Alibaba now. So you can look for gold suppliers. So this means that they have a gold listing, which they have to pay for. So if they don't have a, if a supplier on Alibaba doesn't have a gold listing, they've got a free listing and which doesn't necessarily mean they're not legitimate but if they've got a gold listing it means they've had to pay for it and it's more unlikely that a scammer would go to the trouble of doing this I think um you can also see suppliers where Alibaba has actually done an on-site check or a third like a verified third party has done an on-site check I really like this because it also means that they've checked that you know it's not a sweatshop that people are being treated fairly and working conditions are good and that kind of thing so that gives me extra reassurance because that's something else that I'm looking for you know I want to work with a supplier that's treating people 
kindly and is operating ethically. And probably the most important one that I look at, on this is on Alibaba, is something called trade assurance. And this basically means that if you place an order with a supplier who signed up for trade assurance, you're protected. So if something goes wrong with your order, if the quality isn't up to scratch or if it arrives late, then your money is protected. I have never actually had to use this to know how well it works, but it's good to know it's there. And I and I feel like a supplier who has signed up for that, you know, is serious about quality and about delivering on time because it's optional. They don't have to be on that scheme. And I think it's good they are. Um, Alibaba seems to have done a bit in, in recent years. So I wrote a blog post about this subject quite a few years ago now. And since then, quite a few bits have changed. Um, the updated blog post will be linked in the show notes. But they now also offer the option of paying through their site directly. So you can make a payment on Alibaba rather than sort of wiring the money to the bank account, which you can also still do. But there's they also convert the money into your local currency and you get quite a good exchange rate. So a few things have changed. I think I feel like the site is becoming a bit more um, friendly and a bit, it, it's starting to feel a bit more secure and I'm, I'm hoping this will just carry on improving. And actually, something else I'd mention if you're looking to source there is I also look for suppliers who've been trading at least three years, hopefully longer, because I think it's, it's very unlikely that someone who's not a legitimate company is going to have kept going for 10 years, say. I just don't see that how that can be so I try and avoid anyone who's only been in business for a year or two and look for people who've been selling a bit longer and there are other checks you can do as well so again just this is just talking about Alibaba you can you can google the name of the supplier see if they have their own website if they appear anywhere else um you could also type in the supplier name and scam or fake or something and see if you get any results um you can also see on alibaba how many sales a supplier's made it tells you it's called the transaction level and it shows you how many sales they've made in the past six months that's also quite useful because if they've made like a really high number you'd kind of assume this means they're the real deal um obviously none of this is sort of set in stone you do need to use common sense and if things don't feel right of course walk away um this is basically the minimum i think due diligence you should be doing if you're sourcing on a different site if you're sourcing your product from your own country so i'm in the uk if i was going to source something here other things i would do as well as looking at the website is i would phone them i would phone and i would speak to somebody on the phone i would i would send an email asking for what i was looking for i would follow up with a phone call if it was feasible for me to visit if they weren't too far away i would actually go and visit them i would also google them and see if they'd had any bad press or any sort of reviews about them online and that kind of thing um there's a lot you can do um and I'm not saying that if you do all of this, everything's, I can't promise you that everything will be fine, but I do think just taking some time to do some due diligence and do some checking before you send anybody any money um, makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. Um, and as I say, I don't know anyone personally who's had an awful experience, but I do know this is something people are concerned about, which is why I wanted to cover it. And I do think that as long as you use common sense and you do some, carry out some checks, you should be fine. I certainly don't want this to be the thing that holds you back. Okay, so the fourth fear I hear, or misconception actually, is that I might create something that nobody will ever buy. And the reason I say this is a misconception is because I'm working really hard to make sure that 
you don't create something that nobody will buy um I guess it isn't a misconception because yeah it can happen but my goal is that anyone who I work with or anyone who listens to this podcast it just won't happen to you because you have done your validation and while I can't guarantee that people will buy your product because you'll need to ensure you know as well as checking that there's a market as well as checking it'll be profitable you also need to make sure you're selling in the right places you have a great listing you might need to think about marketing I do think that you've got a much much better chance if you validated your idea before you do anything else I'm not going to go into detail about how to validate your product ideas now because I've talked about that in detail in episode five which is want to create a product four things to do first episode six which is how and why to validate your product ideas and the actual our next episode coming out next week is an interview with a customer and market research specialist so I'm not going to go into great detail now but I am going to say there is a much lower chance of you creating something that nobody ever buys if you've done your research and your validation beforehand and the final misconception I want to cover is if I have a product idea and I start to talk about it and you know I try and do some validation as you know as I've suggested someone will seal my idea I just want to put your mind at rest and completely dispel this myth so as you have probably experienced or maybe anticipated if you haven't got started creating a physical product is not for the faint-hearted I mean there are lots of steps involved and I think you have to be really passionate about your product to see it through to completion as I've said lots of times it's it's simple if you know what you're doing and it's certainly and you know it's, it's more than possible to do all of it yourself um there are steps you can go through and you know there's a lot of support out there if you need it however there is you know there is work to be done and I am absolutely convinced that you know you're listening to this podcast because you you know you are passionate about creating a product and I think that you can do this but not everyone wants to and I think your determination to make your product real will be what sees you through this and I promise you not everyone else has that and they certainly are not going to have that about your product idea so please don't let that be the thing that stops you from moving forward because also let's be honest if you've had a brilliant idea and you don't go anywhere with it because you're worried someone else is going to steal it what if someone else does come up with it and then they you know they launch it first I actually have one client who this happened to she had an idea and she sat on it and she sat on it and she sat on it for quite a long time and then when she went to actually you know when she thought okay I'm ready to get going now she actually found someone else had beaten her to market and it wasn't going to be an original product anymore and for her that completely just took all of the joy out of it and she decided actually you know this isn't something I wanted to do and of course she could have launched a competing product what was out there but what really excited her was that she would have been you know the first product to market um of this product type um so and I think that was a, a real shame so please don't sit on your ideas for fear that someone else will will you know take them from you and you know what people might copy you and if they do take that as a competition I mean if you're the first person to market for a brilliant idea and other people start copying you you're always going to be the original you're always going to be you know the first one to do that remember you can always apply for patents down the line for things if you need to if you need to protect your ideas but certainly don't let this be the thing that stops you from even getting started in the first place okay so I hope that this has given you some confidence that you can make your ideas real I hope that if you had any of you know if any of these things that I've covered today were worries that you had that I've put your mind at rest a bit 
If you have any concerns that I haven't covered today and that you'd like me to cover in a future episode, just get in touch, vicky at tinychipmonk.com. Tell me what's on your mind, tell me what's stopping you from moving forward and perhaps I can do an episode specifically on that. So as always, everything I've talked about today will be linked up in the show notes. And um, and just a final reminder, please do subscribe to the podcast. Please do leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think and tell your friends as well. Okay, see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.